The Father has a plan. The Savior was willingly coming. The Holy Spirit working in amongst and all of that coming together that Christ might be our spotless lamb, our Savior. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you. Great to be celebrating. It's great to be able to jump together in this Christmas season and just uh, be able to lift up our King in all that he is worth. Man, we're in a series here called uh, Above All Names. Jesus Christ, he has the name that is above all names. He has the character that is above all names. He is above all names. And so we are worshiping him. We're praising him in this Christmas season, just taking a few weeks here to celebrate all that we can learn from him and just kind of grasp in these couple of weeks in the Gospels. And so we looked at Matthew last week. We're going to be in Matthew again this week here. And then next week uh, for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, we're going to be diving into Luke for a little bit there. And then uh, on January 1st, we're going to be closing out this Christmas series and launching into the new ministry year as we look into the gospel of John. So just looking at all that Christ is above all names, may we praise him, may we lift him up. Last week was about him as Emmanuel, God with us. And this week, we're going to look at Jesus Christ as King, King of Kings, King of the Jews, he is king. Everybody just say, he is king. Man, he is king. May we worship and praise his name, the one who is above all names, all right? So turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Matthew 2, starting in verse 1, as we get going on looking at Jesus Christ as king. And uh, the first point here, be in awe. The birth of Jesus, king of the Jews, was foretold in prophecy and confirmed by the star. Be in awe. The birth of Jesus, King of the Jews, was foretold in prophecy and confirmed by the star. Man, God had his hand all over it, speaking hundreds of years in advance in the scripture and even being a part of the leading with the star in the sky. We're gonna see some of that here as we walk through this today. So let's start in verse one of chapter two. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet. Let's just hold right there. He starts out, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod. And this is really talking about what we looked at last week. Jesus Christ coming into this world, fully God, fully man, clothed in the flesh of man. Jesus Christ entering in. The angel promising it to Mary, working with Joseph. Joseph committing to walk alongside of Mary. And we now get to celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. God entering into this world with a plan in hand. And uh, here's the catch. His name was given even more detail. Call him Jesus. It means Savior. 
because he will save his people from their sins. Man, as Jesus Christ stepped into this world, we get to celebrate him as king, as savior, and as God with us. And all of God's people said, he's like, yeah, after that happened, he says, behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, Yeah, check it out. It says, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who was born king of the Jews? King of the Jews. And uh, as they began to talk this out, as they began to reveal the truth, they were recognizing that he is king. King of kings and king of the Jews and a huge purpose in it. It says they came from the east and they were coming to Jerusalem. They came from the east. Now, there's a little bit of discussion about who these guys might be, but uh, many have agreed that probably came from the uh, Persian area, the Babylonian area over there to the east and northeast of where they were at in Jerusalem. And uh, part of the reason they think that is it says actually the wise men came. And in fact, if you look in the original language, it's the word magi. It's a word that was used for people who tended to study. They looked for wisdom and knowledge and understanding. These magi, they loved to learn. But more than that, they also loved to be able to know things about the stars. They were astronomers and maybe even, if you would want to say it this way, astrologers of sorts. They were aware of what was going on in the skies. They were aware of what was going on in wisdom and language and people, and they loved to learn and to grow. That was the Magi. And many of them coming from the Babylonian Persian area. In fact, that's the same area, Babylon, where there was some people from the nation of Israel that were taken captive and brought back there. Daniel being one of those, the prophet who was held in exile in Babylon. And while he was in exile there some 500 years before the time of Christ, He ended up being able to kind of rise up through the ranks. And as he was rising up through the ranks, they're still a prisoner, still captive, but God doing amazing work through him. He was revealing in dreams and revealing out what was taking place. And one of the things Daniel learned is that God has a plan. God is doing something massive. And in fact, he rolled out a timeline, a schedule of exactly what it would roll like. He talked about the coming of a Messiah, the anointed one, that would be some 483 years after the starting of the temple being built, rebuilt. 483 years after, and there would be a coming Messiah cut off. And so they knew there was this coming king, this Messiah, this Christ that would come. Daniel recorded that out. Daniel shared that to those he was there with. In fact, he was in Babylon, and he was hanging out with Magi. And he was sharing with these people, this is what's going to come. I'm telling you, 450 plus years from now, there's going to be a king coming, king of the Jews, king of kings, the Messiah Christ, the anointed one. You just need to know that. And man, the Magi at that moment, they recorded that down. They wrote it and they're like, we're hanging on and we're watching. And all of a sudden, the temple started to be rebuilt years after Daniel, but started to be rebuilt. And they were like, lock it in. 483 years from now, we're going to see the Messiah cut off. That means somewhere in that, like 450 years from now, we should see him born. 
And they began to pass that along the generations from one to the next to the next. Can you imagine the excitement building as you're getting closer and closer to that moment? And all of a sudden it becomes somewhere around that 450 year point, somewhere in here there should be something about the king being born and bam, there's a star in the sky. These are guys who watch the stars. They were amazed by what went on. They saw it as a timeline, a schedule of God revealing of what he was doing. And they now saw a star in the sky indicating now is the time. The schedule laid out, the magi in place, they came from the east. And it says, where's the one who was born king of the Jews? They're like, how could you not know this? We've known this for 400 plus years and we're fired up about it. And you can imagine the excitement that they would have. And in fact, you're going to see that roll out in just a little bit. But as they got here, they said, for we saw his star when it rose. Like we had the information to be able to start looking and know it was around this time frame. But here we see the star come together and it rose as a confirmation of the time of the king of kings. And it says, and we have come to worship. Everybody say to worship. And don't miss that. They grasped that God's hand was all over this. They grasped that God was doing something massive in it and he was ushering in a king like none other. And they were coming to worship in the midst. These are not Jewish people. These are people from another nation, quite possibly Babylon or Persia. And as they're coming along, they are grasping that God is in this and he's doing something massive in it. They came to worship. It says, when Herod, the king, heard this, he was troubled. When Herod heard this, he was troubled. Yeah, they were uh, definitely sharing the truth of a king coming. And one thing you need to know is Herod was not a good guy. Like the bottom line is Herod was evil. Herod took on his own family and killed them because he was afraid they may supersede him and take over his kingship. Herod wiped people out when he thought they were a risk. Can you imagine somebody walking up and going, hey, we've known this for 400 plus years. We just showed up from afar. The star is dedicating it and declaring it. The reality is there's a king born. How is Herod going to respond? Herod, the one who kills on a potential risk, is now freaking out. It says he is troubled in the midst as he's like a king. Well, one thing you need to know about Herod is uh, Herod was Jewish. Herod was Jewish and declared king right now of that area. But the problem is he's not from the line of David. Herod was king, but not Davidic king. He knows there's a Messiah coming from the Davidic line that will take over and it won't be him. Not possible. He's not from the right lineage. Herod is not only a Jew, but Herod is kind of partnered up with Rome. And he's like, hey, I'll help you get whatever you need. And as he kind of works with Rome, Rome gives him more and more power and authority. So Herod is wrong guy, wrong title, definitely usurping along the way. And he knows things are not meant for him. So Herod is troubled. And it says, and all Jerusalem with him. Because, you know, when Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? 
This is one of those bad moments. Herod is like, when he starts to get upset, people die. Watch out. Herod's mad and rumors beginning to rip. Jerusalem began to get nervous. What is he going to do? This king who loses it every time he gets challenged. And uh, it says, and all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Notice he inquired where the Christ was to be born. That word means Messiah. He grasped it. He fully understood this was more than just a guy, more than just somebody who'd be a king. This is the Messiah, the king, the one who would come that would take over and reign forever. He's like, hey, uh, chief priests and scribes, where will the Messiah be born? He's calling the ones who were most trained most informed, most religious, most aware of the scripture. And he's like, you tell me what I need to know. Where is this one to be born? And uh, it's a huge deal that we grasp this one as Messiah and that he grasped, everybody just say Messiah. Dude, this is a massive deal. And Herod gets it and he's asking them about getting it. And they said, they told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And then they quoted from Micah chapter five, verse two. So the chief priests and the prophets, they knew that Bethlehem was gonna be the place of the birth of the Messiah. They grasped it, they got it. And then Matthew goes ahead to quote Micah five, two. He says, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel from Bethlehem. Now you got to understand, you've got Jerusalem up to the north, about six miles south is Bethlehem. Not very far, but far, right? Six miles, but not a far walk. Six miles away. Bethlehem was a shepherding town. Bethlehem was a place that was more or less rural, and it was used to be able to be a part of the shepherding of the communities. And for anybody who's ever traveled to Israel and you've been to Bethlehem, you've seen those rolling hills of Bethlehem on the outskirts, five to six miles south of Jerusalem. It's a small, humble town. And from this small and humble town is going to come the king of kings. And it's a massive deal. And a huge statement, here's probably the saddest thing so far in the story. There's a lot of things that can be viewed as sad in this story, but here's a sad one. The chief priests and the scribes said, oh, he's going to come from Bethlehem. And it doesn't say, and so they packed and went to Bethlehem. They never went to look for the king. They never went to check out where's this Messiah and what are they talking about? They just let it be. They're like, here's what the prophecy says, and they're done. And it was a sad moment. And I just got to tell you, I did a little bit of looking into details on Bethlehem. And Bethlehem's an amazing town back then. Now, you got to remember, Jerusalem is like, it's the temple 
area, right? Remember, we talked all about the tabernacle in the book of Hebrews this past year. The temple, it's where the sacrifices were made. It's where animals were used to be able to try to kind of have a moment of covering of sin in that moment, right? It doesn't take away sin, but it was a part of their worship. And they had these uh, spotless lambs that would be used in the sacrifice, in the temple, in Jerusalem. Have you ever thought, where do they get all those lambs? six miles south in the town of Bethlehem. That was one of the main places of provision of the lambs that were feeding into the system in the temple. It was a huge deal. And so as they ended up uh, raising up these lambs, anytime they had a spotless lamb, no physical issues or anything like that, they would take the lamb aside and they would raise that one up protecting it because spotless lambs is what was required for the temple ministry. The ones who were the shepherds over these flocks, they actually had a role kind of like a a priest or a rabbi. They called them rabbinical shepherds. And as they raised these sheep up, their responsibility was to care for the spotless ones and to care for the ministry of the temple. Here's the catch. When you hung around with sheep all day, you were considered unclean. So they were never allowed to enter the temple. Their worship was on the outskirts of Bethlehem, taking care of the lambs and the sheep and the spotless ones and providing them up into the temple ministry. They were rabbinical priests who weren't allowed to go in. But let me tell you something. Those same ones were the shepherds who ended up having angels stop with them and say, glory to God in the highest. The king of kings has come. They were the ones introduced that message. Their worship was a thunderous, quiet worship on the outskirts of Bethlehem. And when they took these little lambs, these spotless ones, the way they protected them is they wrapped them in swaddling cloths and they set them aside. Sound familiar? Are you hearing it? This is a huge deal, man, as we grasp. God has, everybody say God has a plan. And as God is ending up setting it up where Jesus Christ is going to be born in Bethlehem, he ends up saying, because this one will shepherd my people Israel. I got to tell you, I believe the people who are hearing this and reading this, like from Bethlehem will come the one who shepherds. And they're like, I see what you're doing with the word shepherd. I see how you're doing this. God is beginning to use the shepherd town and community to raise up one who would become a shepherd, but he's more than that. He was the spotless lamb who was set aside in little cloths, these swaddling cloths to protect him as the spotless lamb. Jesus Christ entered into this world, into Bethlehem, the spotless lamb. Behold the lamb of God, be in awe of the Lamb of God, the spotless one, delivered into this world for my sin to be covered and for yours. That's the hope we have. The Messiah Savior, the Lamb of God, the perfect spotless one, born in Bethlehem and set aside for you and me to cover our sin. And all of God's people said, it's like, be in awe. God is bringing a king into this world 
and he's got a plan, and he's got a timing, and he's got a purpose, and he's even set him down in the very town that helped to manage the spotless lambs because he would be the ultimate one. May God get all the glory. Simply put, as we move into this Christmas season, how is your worship? Are you coming to the King of Kings in worship? Like these wise men who came from afar, dedicated and committed and laying it on the line. It gets so easy for us to get distracted. May we set our distractions down and commit to worshiping him. The one who is our glory, our hope, our lamb of God, our spotless one. May he get all our focus in this Christmas season, truly for his praise and glory. And all of God's people said, and that's our first call out, be in awe. God has a plan. Second point. Bow down. The life of Jesus, King of the Jews, caused some to bow in worship and others to try to take his life. Bow down. The life of Jesus, King of the Jews, caused some to bow in worship and others to try and take his life. And may we bow before the king. It says, then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. Herod called them secretly at night. Everybody say, uh-oh. Dude, this isn't a good moment. This is not one of those things you want to hear. Hey, by the way, Herod wants to talk to you privately on the side. Don't let anybody else know. Need you to come over here. What is going on? As Herod, the angry one, the one who loses his nut for any reason, Herod is calling for a private meeting. Says Herod summoned the wise men secretly to ascertain from them what time the star had appeared. You can imagine how Herod is beginning to communicate with them, and he's trying to make it sound like he's interested in a very sweet way, right? This is so cool, the star thing that I heard from you. Can you tell me a little bit? When did the star appear? How did this happen that as he's beginning to ask questions that he really doesn't mean at all what he's asking? As Herod ends up saying, when did the star appear? Here's what he's really saying. How old is this kid? Like, what do I need to cover age range-wise to make sure that I can take this kid out? How old is this kid right now? That's what he's really asking. It says, and he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may... Worship him. That's what it says. That is not what he means. Everybody say not. He is not saying, boy, I really hope I get to worship the king of kings. That'd be great. Here's what he's saying. Hey, I'm going to send you. You find him. You come back and tell me so that I might, well, so that I might kill him. But I'm not going to tell you that. That I might worship him too. That's why I'm doing this. Can you let me know? so that we can go down the path of worship together. It says, after listening to the king, they went on their way. I love this statement. Just so you know, in the original language, it says, after they heard him. 
It literally says after they heard him. After they heard him, they went on their way. You can imagine they're wise men. And they're like, yeah. You called us into a secret private meeting because you wanted all about worship, so you're not going to tell anybody else about it? Yeah, we believe you. So after they heard him, after the words hit their ears and they were like, sure, we hear the words you're saying. That's all we're saying. After they heard him, they went on their way. They're like, are we good to go? He's like, yeah, you can go to Bethlehem. Just make sure you let me know so that we can worship too, right? As they began to go out, after listening to him, it says, and behold. And when we see the word behold, we say, yeah, check it out. Once again, God doing an amazing work. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Just so we're clear, as they walked out, they're like, all right, time to go to Bethlehem and look for a woman who had a baby. There probably won't be many of those. How are we going to do this? How are we going to go find a woman with a baby and know it's the right one? How is this going to work out? We've had the time frame. We had the star that led us to here. But now what? And as they went out and as they mounted up on, we'll say camels because that's the picture in your head, right? As they mounted up on their camels or whatever they were riding and they get up and they begin to ride on these camels and they're like, I don't know. I know Bethlehem is that way. So we're going to go from here to there, but we're going to have to figure it out. And as they're going along on these camels, all of a sudden, one of the guys is like, dude, that star is, he said, dude, I'm sure of it. In Babylon, they say, dude, he's like, dude, that star is moving. Look at that star. That star is moving in the right direction. It is coming over here. And as they're looking, they're like, it is moving. Just keep following it. And they had quite the response as they ended up being able to move towards the direction they were being guided, it says the star had seen that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. The star that rose up ended up setting back down and it took them straight to Bethlehem and straight to the place where Jesus was. Everybody say it's a miracle. It's a miracle, right? And there's a lot of talk about what this is. Like some will say, I think it was like multiple planets coming together and aligning and maybe a star as well and it got really bright and so that kind of led in a certain way. And, and some will say, I don't think so. I think it was a comet that kind of came in and it sort of directed down in just the right way as it set down and maybe, and, and some are like, I don't, I don't think it's that. I think it's just the Shekinah glory of God as he beamed in the sky and moved them in direction and settled down on the house. And like, whatever it is, can we just say miracle? Everybody say miracle. Like whatever it is, somehow an amazing thing in the sky. I will say, these guys called it a star. So I'm going to lean a little more towards something already set in motion in the cosmos that lines up somehow. I'm leaning that way. Feel free to go a different direction. But somehow something in the sky that is leading them and setting down on the spot. An amazing moment that takes them to where the child was. And it says, when they saw the star... They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Don't miss this sentence. When they saw the star, they rejoiced. Like there was huge celebration. 
Like, I, I don't know what a wise man looks like when he's rejoicing, you know, like, is it like really tame? Or is the wise man like, he's going to a full tilt. He's like, yeah. Like, I don't know what a wise man looks like rejoicing. Get that in your head. So wise man rejoicing, right? And then it says next, he was rejoicing though. And it says with some very high detailed words, exceedingly with great joy. So there's rejoicing. And then there's exceedingly like going off completely celebratory. I don't know what it means. They jumped off the camel. They did some high five. Who knows what it meant? They were doing some massive celebrating, exceedingly rejoicing as they're going after it. They are going for, and then don't miss this. And then it says, with great joy. There is laughter. There is smiles. Dude, you have to put yourself there. Imagine their father and grandfather and great and great, 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 and all of that number, whatever the right number would be, all the way back, have been saying, there will be one who comes. Watch for it. From the moment the temple starts to be rebuilt, 483 years until he gets cut off. So look for it around 450 years, somewhere in there. And you start watching, and they're like, we get to be these people. These are the moments that they've been talking about for hundreds of years, and we're right here on it. And we're coming in to the town where this king has been prophesied to be born, and the star begins to move and set down right where we need to go. Dude, that's going to light up your worship just a little bit as they are fired up about privilege and opportunity and knowing that God is all over this. And in the moment, as they have their exceeding rejoicing with great joy, uh, they get to celebrate. God has a plan. Everybody say, God has a plan. And he's even got GPS. He'll give you the star right down to the place. May God get all the glory. It says, and going into the house, by the way, I'm sure they knocked first. Don't get wigged out that it sounds like they just walked in, right? And going into the house, notice it is a house. Everybody say house. So we've moved from the stable and the manger setting. Now we're in a house. And so there's been a little bit of time this past. And maybe this has been just a couple of months. Maybe it's been a little bit more. There's been talk about that. I wouldn't make it too much time because Herod ends up passing away not long after Christ was born. So it is crimped in there in time, but give it a couple months or more. And uh, somewhere in that time frame, and they're in a house. Not a house that they own. It's either somebody else's house. They're just living there with, borrowing some time. Maybe they're renting on it, whatever it is, but this is not theirs. Remember, they live up in Galilee. They've come all the way down for a census, and they're just down there for the moment. And now they're in a house in the midst of that time, and Jesus is growing in time. It says, they, then as they walked into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. As they walked in, you can only imagine those first moments. You come up to the door and you're like, I think 
I think it's over this house right here. Like it's not, I don't think it's those two houses. I think, no, dude, you need to stand where I'm standing. Come over here. Look at this. I think it's right here. And now you come up to what you think is the place where this star, this light in the sky is settling down. And as they begin to knock, you know the first thing they're thinking. If there's not a woman with a baby here, I don't know what we're doing. Like what comes next, right? And, you knock, and they open the door and as you step in, there's a woman with a young child and they are in awe that God has taken them from Babylon or beyond and walked them 800 plus miles all the way down into the city to the exact house to right in front of his presence. And they've been ushered there from 450 years ago to right now. And they fell on their faces in worship. May God get all the glory. Man, don't miss that moment. Don't miss how absolutely euphoric they were to see God at work calling the nations to the feet of Jesus. And don't forget this, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And they're like, and it's starting right here with us, we're down on knees. May God get all the glory. Huge celebration as they saw Mary and Jesus together. And it says, and they worshiped him, King of the Jews, king of all kings, God at work. It says, then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts. And just so you know, just walking through a little bit of the original language this week, the word for their treasure box, it said opened up their treasure box. Do you know what the word in the Greek for that is? Thesaurus. Yeah. Those of you who are teachers, you're like, I knew it had value, right? A thesaurus, you know what that is, right? That's where you look up a word and it tells you another word that you could use for that word, right? They named it treasure box. I'm just telling you, the wise men came with better treasure than that, right? And all of God's people said, but thesaurus, it means treasure box. They opened up the treasure box that they had traveled with. And the treasure box that they had had gold and frankincense and myrrh, and don't forget who we're talking about, Joseph Carpenter. Not a lot of money on the road, way away from home, trying to figure out how life is going to work here, and in the midst of it, here come men knocking at the door from Babylon who step in and they say the God of the universe has called us to worship at the feet of your child. Here is gold and frankincense and myrrh. These things are unique. They are expensive. They are gifts you give to a king. And that's why they came bearing gifts because this king was getting gifts from them. And as they gave the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh, it said, and being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. You can imagine as they got done worshiping, as they got done being on their knees before Jesus and praising God for the direction and hearing the story from Mary and Joseph, who knows what was shared. Maybe Mary and Joseph even shared out a little bit of the angel and the Holy Spirit came upon her and who knows what they know now. And as they hear all of this and they're in awe, what a night and a close and they begin to go to get ready for bed and as they go to lay down, can you imagine that conversation where one of them is like, I don't think I'm believing Herod. 
Like, I, I don't think we should go back that way. What are you guys thinking? I'm not going back that way. I agree with you. I don't think, I don't, the other guys, I don't, maybe we should be careful. And you know there had to be a little bit of a conversation about do we actually go back and honor what that king asked us to do? And as they went to bed, there was a visiting in a dream, probably by angel, and it says, and being warned in a dream, they chose to go back another way. As they woke up, one of them was like, all right, I just had a dream. And they're like, me too, me too. Me too, me too. We're out, forget it. Now, who knows how they went back? Maybe they went to the east and went around Jerusalem. Maybe they went way west and up and around. We don't know. But what we do know is they did not go back through Jerusalem. He did not find out the age of Jesus, the name of Jesus, the location of Jesus. Everybody say, God had a plan. And in the midst of it, our Savior was born of humble means in a city called Bethlehem, a shepherd's town. He became the spotless lamb cared for, announced by angels just celebrating who he is and calling wise men from the east to celebrate that this is what was recorded in the scriptures. May God get all the glory. Behold, be in awe, and may we fall on our faces before Christ that every knee will bow and every tongue confess. He is King of Kings. He is Savior. The Father has a plan. The Savior was willingly coming. The Holy Spirit working in amongst and all of that coming together that Christ might be our spotless Lamb, our Savior. This is the Christmas story. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, Let's pray.